1: Good Wednesday morning. Welcome to Squawk on the Street. I'm Carl Quintanilla with Jim Cramer and David Faber. Futures are solid on this Fed day as more strategists say by the sell-off uh, that the Fed will walk back some of the market's hawkish expectations and earnings print well at Microsoft, Texan, Abbott, VIX below 28. Our roadmap begins with turnaround or a dead cat bounce for stocks. Futures point to some sharp gains as investors await new tea leaves from the Fed.
0: Plus, a wider than expected loss and big revenue miss for Boeing. CEO Dave Calhoun is going to join us. He'll break down the quarter for us. Shows of AT&T, they seem to be rallying a bit ahead of the open. CEO John Stankey talked with me about the Warner Media deal, the quarter, of course, and the future for wireless.
1: Start with the overall market this morning, and we mentioned the strategists out with some uh, bullish
2: notes out of Goldman, City,
1: JPM, UBS. Jim, it's across the board
2: today. Well, uh, look, I, I think we're cynical, and so therefore we think that they can't all be right. But there are actually some pretty rigorous notes, and these are people who have called it right. So I'm reluctant to just say, you know, what a bunch of penguins on the upside. They've been telling you to be careful. I mean, David, if everyone's telling you to be careful and then they decide after a lot of stocks have lost a third of their value, mm-hmm. that maybe they're interesting, I, I have no problem with that. That's pretty good. You're happy with that. You're okay. Well, I mean, it isn't like they said the whole way down, it's great, and then let's double down. Right. These were these were strategists who were correctly calling and saying, you know what, this is not, not, you know, it's an unsustainable decline. Mm-hmm. It's going to happen. You know, you can't just be right here. And now they're saying, listen, it's just not going to keep this interesting level. And Jay Powell, a lot of this is about how Fed Chief Powell uh, is not about to take the wood to the economy. Now, if anyone says that he's worried about the stock market, that's just wrong. That's not his style. But he's a considered person. Well, it may not be his style anymore, but we just heard that last guest
0: on Squawk Box referring to 2018. Oh, okay, when so yeah, you're, I take it back, I heard a guest. In part, no, they reversed no, course the, dramatically in part because of declines in the okay, market. Okay, that was the was rookie, doing.
2: that was the rookie coach. I see. Okay, that was the rookie coach. He got blew out, blown out in the wild card round, okay? This is the real coach, and this coach is every bit the Andy Reid. Understood, but when you, it gets you,
0: grim, he's the grim. We know that the big question is: at what point, if the market's dislocation becomes uh, steep enough, will the Fed back off? Uh, well, I don't because know. There, see, there is still a belief that at some level, this Fed will never raise
2: rates into a significantly declining market. Well, I don't think that's true. I think that, I clearly I think you don't. Very, but that's I think, a big well, I think question. They're bad, that data determined. That's the way Pal has been. You know, Are we ever going to get back to 4 or 5%? Well, yeah, but maybe if we have a high inflation. What happens if the supply chain well, is hot? What do you mean high? We had 7% no, 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 sustained. I mean, look, sustainable. When sustained,
0: oh, it's listen been a year and a half now.
2: No, look, there is such a thing called supply chain, and it has to get better. And one of the things that happens, Dave, if you get sick, you haven't had the luxury of getting sick, you have to quarantine. So suddenly you're not there. OK, and then everybody who met you is not there. And next thing you know, there's nobody there. So you have to ship everything from Portland to St. Louis because you can't go so right to L.A. So when this
0: works through, you think we get back to normalized CPI no. numbers, which are far lower than they are right now. Therefore, you don't the, need to raise as much. You'll never get to 4 percent. There was a company I mean, that reported It's last crazy night. talk. There was a company well. reported last
2: night. Yeah. It's a large company. Microsoft. Right? Bingo. Got it. And the... Tenor of the call, which, by the way, Amy Hood said, and those of you who have caught and listened, Amy Hood put the wood to the people who don't really listen. And Sada's whole point was this: we have to be the way that business gets back, and not be expensive. By the way, David, Metaverse throughout the throughout the whole enterprise Metaverse. where you said, I think technology can get us some of the way. I think if we did not have the unions in charge of Long, Long Beach, by the way, you know, Oakland has no issues. You can. I don't know why they don't go to Oakland. What is that about? But let me give you a list. This I think it's time, really, let David understand my game plan here. Here's a couple of companies: J and J, Procter and Gamble, IBM, Microsoft, United Health, Travelers, American Express, Wells Fargo, Bank of America, Raytheon, 3M. Now, do you see a pattern there? What did those companies do? They, they beat and guided higher. Oh. That's a lot of companies. Oh, hold just a second. There was a bad one. It was called Netflix. That was bad. Netflix. So you're gonna? I want to stack Netflix against all these others. And you know, maybe yes. So people they watch Squid Games, and their conclusion was, eh, I don't know. And you're know. not you're not thrown by JPM's expense. Well, he threw a temper tantrum. Yeah, Jamie has a temper tantrum. He's like he's allowed to do that. He's been there forever. Got a three million dollar bonus for the temper tantrum. He's probably bought a million shares in the last four days, and we're going to learn about that. But if he hadn't lost his temper, if he hadn't just started raving about fintech, I think we would have liked Jamie Morgan. By the way, Abbott guided heart. Don't worry about what people are saying about Abbott. Abbott's very conservative. But you know, Jamie shot himself in like. The foot, the left foot, the right foot, the hand. I mean, it was, it was a, it it was, it closed in New Haven, that conference call. I not make it to Broadway. I mean, it was or really so in These days, it was not as much I mean, on of you know, like. he said, like, well, it's basically like, look, I screwed up, you know. Like, well, blah, Jim references the, the
1: aftermarket yeah, action in Microsoft, and yeah. you can see oh, that dip there where Azure came in at 46 uh, versus a prior 48 in constant currency. Although, as Jim points out, Amy Hood later talked about the growth trajectory for Azure. Here's what she said.
3: In Azure, we expect revenue growth to be up sequentially in constant currency driven by our Azure consumption business, with strong growth
4: on a significant base.
2: I'm laughing, Carl, because it, it, it was probably around 15 minutes into the call that she said that, but everyone had already sold it. You see, they sold it because they were stupid. I don't know the word for it, David. I mean, see, if you listen to Amy, whom I've listened to from when she was a Goldman, she does not come out. And say things idly. And yet, that was the most positive she's been about Azure. And yet, we got the call that Azure, no, because you know, remember what she said. You see, the dollar suddenly appreciated. It did, it suddenly, suddenly appreciated. Did you dress in the dark again? That Every is day. not the same color. Every day. All right, all right. Um, well, I'm going to call. Should,
1: um, should the calls be quicker to follow the report? That's no, the big debate The robo, debate
2: today. we should shoot all the machines. Why don't we just say we don't know yet about Azure? I mean, Amy is so good. I feel like it's like I, I really like Amy, and Amy, A- Amy likes the show. That's um, good to hear. I'm completely vain about that, but I, I just think that it, she's worth listening to. And wait for her because she's so good. Could you just wait? But no one wants to wait the fifteen minutes. They're on to the next. I mean, they. they you know what they have? They think they have thirteen seconds. <laughs> Let me tell you what you can do in thirteen seconds. Okay, 13 seconds. we have to go to Carl. Um,
1: we're going to talk more about uh, Microsoft, though, especially the PC division, which was a big, big part of the beat. Yes, 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 yes. Uh, Boeing is out with quarterly results this morning and a big charge. Our Phil Lebeau brought that to us earlier this morning. Uh, Phil, good morning.
5: Good morning, Carl. Let's bring in Dave Calhoun, CEO of Boeing. Uh, Dave, we talked about your results—a miss on the top and the bottom line, nearly four billion dollars in charges. I think, before we get into some of the specifics here, I think people are looking at home and saying, what happened last quarter?
3: Yeah, uh, none of us like charges. It's a big one, but it reflects our reality with respect to the 787 delays, the rework process that we've been involved with with respect to those delays, and the time it will take to work our way through the FAA ticketing process. Um, So we had to reflect those charges. It's a little bit of a double-edged sword for me in the sense that, while I don't like any of the charges, the progress has been significant. And I feel very good about the forward view with respect to the 8-7, the deliveries, the ticketing process, et cetera. We can't rush it. We won't rush it. We'll maintain our disciplines. But in fact, we are where we are. Um, uh, Most importantly, with respect to the quarter, as you know and we've talked about for now a couple of years, uh, free cash flow has been our focus, continues to be our focus. We've restructured operations, we've returned the max to service, it's going beautifully, and as a result, we got our head above water with respect to free cash flow. And We probably did it a little earlier than we might even imagine. So I feel very good about that progress, and I feel very good about the progress on that same uh, metric going forward.
5: Dave, you said the same thing last quarter regarding the Dreamliner, that you felt good about the progress, but you haven't delivered any since last May. Why should investors be confident that perhaps April or May, you finally get everything worked out with the FAA and you can resume deliveries?
3: Well, the work in South Carolina, with respect, and and, uh, in uh, the Puget Sound has been fantastic. Um, We are working through real conformance issues. Not safety issues, conformance issues. Meaning is that airplane built exactly and precisely according to the engineering drawings that we have. And this is a healthy process for anybody to go through, and we're looking at every, every part of it. So, uh, the rework process is going well. It's long. It's disciplined, but it's going well. Our mechanics are learning a ton in the process. And I think we're progressing at a pretty, pretty fast rate. And I feel good that the outcome is going to be, going to be great and the forward program will be great. But what I can't do is predict the moment we get ticketed. I cannot
5: do that. And yet, your customers, some of the airlines that have dreamliners they're expecting to take delivery of, have come out and said in the last month, look, we expect April or May. Are you comfortable with the airline saying that? Here's the, here's the point. The customer knows everything
3: we do. It's their regulator as well. They've seen the airplanes. They, uh, they inspect them regularly. So, yeah, they've seen everything we know. Um, I don't, again, I don't want to get into a uh, who's right about what date because that's the FAA's job, not ours.
2: Jim, I know you've got a question back there. Absolutely. Thank you, Phil. So, dear. uh China, so important to the market. But right now, we are in a cold war, basically, with China, and China has really frozen us except for maybe Starbucks, Nike, and Apple. What makes you feel that there will be actual orders from China, given the antipathy they have for United States?
3: Hey, Jim, it's a great question. Uh, China is critically important to us um, in every way. What I, what I can talk about is what I see, which is uh, a set of customers in China that have worked with us methodically to bring the uh, MAX back into service. Uh, they're flying test flights. Um, we anticipate the return to service in very near term, um, and we expect then deliveries to proceed from there. So every signal we get at, a, at an operating level is forward progress, disciplined. Um, frankly, uh, gives us lots of confidence uh, going forward. Uh, we have a big backlog, as you know it 's very important to the year ahead that we deliver on the backlog in the airplanes and I remain confident that uh, that China wants Boeing airplanes in their fleet and that they will continue to do business with us
2: i right. 'm glad you mentioned backlog uh, judging from what the airlines are telling me about post omicron what 's going to happen a boom. Uh, people need inventory. I know you have inventory, not the way you necessarily want it with a 737, but if this m- demand materializes, will you have the right, pl- right planes, but l- planes that by the way, are far more energy efficient, and you stand ready to be able to deliver for the next two years, given what, how many planes you have?
3: Yeah, Jim, I'm, I'm uh, again, I've, I've always said I'm, I'm optimistic about demand. Uh, for our customers, with respect to passenger travel, and then therefore the desire and the need to rebuild fleets, and I think the MAX and the 787 and even the 767 in the freighter world, et cetera, this is a very strong product line. And I'm confident that we, we will receive the orders that uh, ultimately are led into the, into the industry. You are right about fuel efficiency and emissions. Both are additional and significant drivers on demand, not just the growth in passenger traffic.
5: Dave when you look at the max you increased your production rate you were at uh, twenty six in the third quarter went up uh, in the in the fourth quarter you're expected to get close to to thirty one relatively soon do you hit forty two by the end of the year as many people are expecting
3: yeah i can't i'm not going to try to look that far forward um, because we have a philosophy one at a time one at a time um, and yes we are confident that we're going to move up to thirty one and we 'll do that in the near term and when I think about you know, the supply chain constraints that exist uh, out there. You know, I hate that we got here the way we did, but having an inventory of finished airplanes, um, particularly as it relates to the MAX, is an advantage at that moment. And we will take full advantage of that as we think about the market going forward. Um, And then we will just move at a very steady pace. I believe the 42 question is going to be more a question of the supply chain than, uh, than, uh, than demand. I think the, the demand will be significant.
5: COVID has hit you and continues to impact your production. Uh, talk a little bit about what we discussed at the beginning with regard to on the defense side. It's not the same as on the commercial side, where if you have a bunch of people who are exposed or sick, you can perhaps get some replacement work in there relatively quick or move around. It's different on the defense side, right?
3: Yeah, for sure. We, we all sort of take COVID management uh, for granted these days. Um, when we get through Omicron, and presumably we get back to flu-like treatment of, of all of this, the productivity opportunity for our company and probably most industrial companies is huge as we, as we reduce the lost time in a big way. But you're right. Our defense business, because of clearances, because we we, Somebody needs the security we don't have a whole bunch of cleared people sitting around able to move into jobs and when shifts have to move off. So our defense business definitely takes it um, much harder than our commercial business because of that.
5: One last question. 5G. Uh, this played out over the last month and I think a lot of people we're looking at the airline industry and the wireless industry, and regulators in Washington, and saying seriously, in this day and age, we can't get this straight. What happened? Well,
3: we'll get it straight. Um, and we were at a moment, and it was a difficult moment. I heard your our, my customers uh, explain to you just how uh, uh, tough that was looking. Um, so rather than look back, I'll just say now we have a good coalition: the industry participants, uh, both on the telco side and on our side. Uh, manufacturers, altimeter manufacturers, et cetera. We are working on technical solutions that I think will uh, soften and dampen this to the point where it won't be noticed. Um, I give a lot of credit to the telcos for stepping up. They volunteered with respect to slowing down the uh, rollout of their 5G. Um, But anyway, it's a good coalition now, and the administration is doing a pretty good job with this. Our transportation secretary, Buttigieg, is doing a terrific job. And Director Deese at the uh, uh, Economic Council is also doing a terrific job. So, finally, we're all on one page. The technologists, they will help us solve this problem.
5: Dave, I know you've got a conference call to go to. Analysts are waiting. I know you're not giving guidance for this year, but there will be plenty of questions about that. Thank you very much for joining us. Guys, I'll send it back to you uh, on on a day where, yes, they missed on the top and the bottom line, but as you heard Dave say, uh, they're quite optimistic that uh, they are getting their arms around the 787 Dreamliner issues. Back to you.
0: Phil, thank you, and thank you for bringing that to us. As you've seen, of course, Boeing shares do not seem to be in a position to get hit particularly hard. In fact, may still be up uh, despite those results. Wanted to move on to another uh, name that people watch closely, of course, certainly uh, amongst those uh, in retail, given uh, still broad ownership of AT&T. That stock does look to be up after the company reported its fourth quarter numbers. Wireless, which, of course, is going to be the only real business, well, wireless and fiber, excuse me, um, uh, of this company as of, let's call it the second quarter of this year, pretty strong. Uh, we got a lot of these numbers already because the CFO presented a few weeks back at an investment conference and gave us a preview of some of the numbers. Uh, but it kind of a mixed picture overall to a certain extent in terms of WarnerMedia EBITDA, which may have been a bit lighter, at least on the margin side, than people had anticipated. I want to look a bit deeper into that. Did have a chance to speak earlier this morning, prior to the company's conference call with John Stankey, at t CEO. Uh, here's a quick uh, wrap of what he said when it comes to wireless and what they've seen overall in terms of performance.
6: More postpaid phone net ads in 2021 than we've done in the previous 10 years. It was our fourth consecutive year of over a million fiber broadband net ads. And we're now increasing the footprint and have an opportunity to ramp that up and look at 13.8 million hbo max ads and what we were able to do to launch on two continents and ultimately broaden that product and not only be a subscription-based service but have advertising support associated with it look it was a home run for the team this year
0: Uh, he says home run the stock is up it has been moving higher through this year of course since the announcement in may though to the end of last year it was a very poor performer, Jim. I want to uh, continue to focus a bit more, though, on the Warner Media side because that may have an impact on Discovery shares and what does appear to at least been some disappointment on the part of analysts who are looking at the fourth quarter numbers in terms of margin uh, and even what they're guiding towards. But it, it may be a bit messy, and so we're
2: trying to—I'm trying to get a bit of a cleaner look there, so we can compare it. But th- the stock has bottomed. You had to, frankly, had to have a lot of people leave the stock because they were in it for. Yield, and I happen to like Verizon for Yield, I know that the analysts weren't that positive about Verizon, and they're more positive in ATT, which is kind of a nice sea change for people.
0: Yeah, we're going to have a lot more. We had a a long conversation about competition in wireless, about the future of Warner, about whether it is going to be a spin or a split in terms of how they actually dispose of uh, their ownership of Warner, which is very important and being watched closely. So
2: uh, stay tuned for all of that. I look forward to that. Yeah. You know, the animosity is over, but what more can you say? I mean, stock bottom. I mean, there's not much more to say.
1: Uh, You're right, though, about the Verizon. JPM cuts to neutral. We'll get to a bunch of the other calls today, including uh, some calls on Chipotle, DraftKings. Jim's mentioned PennNet already, along with a bunch of other earnings. Abbott, Kimberly, Texan, and more as the NASDAQ 100 looking at a nice gain at the open. Don't go away.
4: Every day.
0: All right, let's get to a mad dash a little less than eight minutes before we get started. It's hump day, by the way. Yes, it is. Yeah. Yes, yes,
2: Um, yes. Now, TXN. Once again, people shot first, ask questions later. It was just a destruction of capital, you wouldn't believe, because text instruments ended up having an amazing story. People were selling it and selling it and selling it. And then as the conference call goes on, people realize, wow, this is great. Why? Because automotive was on fire. Industrial was on fire. PCs, against a very tough compare, were still quite good. Uh, this, David, this inter- Internet of Things is real. And I come back and I say, these guys, someone, all the analysts keep saying, listen, it's cyclical. So when? Are we going to have another crash? And instead, what they say is it's secular. The growth is great. We know that Secretary Romano was talking, about to the FT, saying there is no inventory. These guys admitted that their inventory is well below. It was a tour de force conference call uh, that caused people to realize, you know what? These guys are in the catbird seat because everybody needs auto chips so badly, and everybody needs industrial, and they have the right form factor. So the question is only, can they meet demand? And I love stories where they can meet demand. Versus, say, Kimberly Clark, obviously, they uh, don't have to worry about meeting demand. Clorox, not worried about meeting demand. Downgraded today. But this is an electric, exciting story. And I think people... Uh, Texas Instruments is not a promoter. If anything, uh, they're buzzkills. I always feel like when I listen to Texas Instruments, it's like, all right, get out my calculator from when I was at Goldman. But the fact is is that, you know, then you had to go to HP. Right. The fact is, it's good. And, you know, the people who sold it, made a big mistake because there couldn't be anything more bullish than what they said
0: yeah well again it goes back to that point you've been making listen and wait for the conference call it, it,
2: people don't be want be patient
0: to. well they react to a press release or some of the machines what are they? do well, the machines react yeah, to machines are. by the way the quants are doing quite well this year so we should we should well, we need to differentiate well smart
2: but- quants versus dumb i mean <laughs> i am sure that there are people who don't take their cue just from the headline
0: no no.
2: Uh, In fact, they'd be selling Abbott right now if they did that. And right. I think that they're going to be wrong selling Abbott, but they're going to sell Abbott. And I think that's a mistake, just like it was a mistake to sell J&J.
0: All right. Well, uh, as you heard, of course, we got a lot of earnings to get through here. We also have an opening bell for you about uh, four, six and a six and a half, five and a half minutes from now, followed by more of my exclusive interview with at t CEO John Stanky. Don't want to miss that as well. Keep it here.
4: We do believe that innovation is on sale and, uh, and we do believe that it will be really important for investors to get to move toward the right side of change given the amount of disruption that we do expect. <laughs>
1: That's Kathy Wood offering her defense, saying that innovation has essentially uh, been put on sale, as the tape's got an interesting piece on a new fund that is a two-times leverage uh, ARC fund.
2: Well, that's all you need. Yeah. More moronic stuff. They create anything, make some money. The greed is just incredible. Look, I, here's my problem with what she's saying. What's on sale are companies that make things, that provide a good service, that sell at a profit, uh, sell everything at a profit, and can give you a buyback and a dividend. That's what's on sale. The other stuff is just kind of, well, software is a service that well, the momentum. The momentum ended,
0: too, right? The momentum I trade ended, mean, momentum uh, ended. which it's is okay. a lot of what was going on in this market.
2: But it's okay. It's okay to say, okay, momentum ended. Uh, her style ended and now move on to some other things. You don't have look, Mary Kane's, I mean, look, when the facts change, I change too. I mean, she hasn't, she continues to focus. Now look, she'll get her general draft kings today. I mean, someone says the opportunity is too big to ignore, but her, her thesis doesn't work in an environment where the Fed is hostile of stocks. That's exactly what the late Marty Zweig would have said. Don't fight the Fed, meaning don't fight the Fed by buying stocks that sell 40, 50 times sales. Well, you haven't really done your homework because you're overrun and you're way too stretched and you haven't t- spent the time. I-, I know those are caustic comments. They are. They are. That's but kind it, of an you, indictment uh, of a research uh, Well, if you were to share. look, I, I happen to like DraftKings. I work for DraftKings. I did it one time. But I mean at fifty-five, I don't think anyone thought it, it, now maybe Jason Robbins yeah, thought it was gonna be a good time. I mean you're you're buying, you know, if if Patrick Mahomes is at, at the game, you make five hundred dollars. And she's buying that? Does she do any homework? Does she understand what gambling means? No. It was the opportunity was too big to ignore. Well now it's 20 it might be. And she's she bought a lot of stuff, David, that frankly didn't pan out. I'm sorry, didn't pan out. It's all right. Not yet. People make mistakes. Is, is, is it over? Is the it it going over, it be early? be early, Jim. We'll hear the fetid, too. If he says he's tight, then yeah, it we're is gonna, over. We're going to find okay. out more in
1: a few hours. There's the opening bell. CNBC Real Time Exchange and the big board at Sky Harbor. An aircraft hangar rental company celebrating a listing via SPAC at the back. NASDAQ uh, yes, Satellogic. Back. and Earth Observation Satellite Company celebrating its, it's listing. Back. Via SPAC. Jim wow. does mention DraftKings, uh, yeah. Morgan Stanley ups to overweight, but they keep that thirty-one target.
2: Too. Right now, they did a good job. They this is the anti-Cathy Wood. Basically, let the stock come down. This is the anti-Cathy Wood. Hey, well, no, I'm saying the DraftKings upgrade today makes sense to me. Down oh. to twenty, it fully now dis- discounts the fact that New York is not that great. Uh, it now obviously, the deals to open accounts are just horrible for the bottom line. But I don't. You know now it's fine. Price matters. You can't just stand there and buy a stock all the way down. Like, I bought stocks all the way down for my travel trust. And I have to, like, at 10.20, I do this morning show. And every day, I bring out the hair suit. And I I self-flagellate on stocks like PayPal, which I got wrong. But, you know, in her world, you're never wrong.
0: All right, well, that's that's quite a big move up. Now, maybe just the timing of the upgrade is obviously well-placed here. Well, it is. I mean, geez, what's more... Um, uh, football season's over. Uh, when it comes to, part, to these companies, and the, obviously anybody who watched football in the New York area was besieged with these ads, given yes. you can now bet in New um, York, um, what, you know, it's all about customer acquisition, yes. enormous cost, yeah, I'd say $400 per per. So how do you view it in terms of out years, and is it a discounted cash flow model based on how many subs they're going to be able to no, get here? How, they're losing money on It's a
2: last-man-standing model. You can get $1,000 credit no, for no, signing no, up no, right no, now. FanDuel gives you money back. You can actually take it out. No, it's a last-man-standing. We don't know. There will be two or three companies that will be in this business. It's a really not great business. It's great only if you wipe out all the other guys. Cost of acquisition is, Carl, cost of acquisition, we all see it. This is what made me one of the things that made me so angry about Kathy Wood's style. Yeah. Was that we all knew that these deals crushed the bottom line, except for her. So I question whether she understood what a parlay was. Did she understand what the over was? Or how about how you create your own line? I'm telling you that if she were here right now, she would not know the difference between the under and the over and wouldn't know whether to take points or give points or use a squib kick or continue to be able to block punts. She is not a a fan of the game. Or she wouldn't be buying it.
0: I can make an argument that Robin Hood's business model is not dissimilar from some of these. Yeah, it isn't.
1: No. But you know, Robin Hood not even in tights. Doesn't stop Macquarie from also upgrading Penn Nat today. Well,
2: I mean, they're down a lot. You know, they have something. They are businesses. What's there's, going there's on with 19... your buddy over
1: at Penn Nat and the
0: investigation that they're My continuing buddy. to have of him? My buddy. Of Portland. Yeah, buddy. well, he, he was on your show a My lot. Buddy.
2: My buddy. Yeah. You didn't like that? Well, it's something that I do to you. I don't want it done to me. <laughs> exactly. It's a one-way I mean, one, street. It's so it's a one way street. Is it going to be symmetrical. I mean, you can't hammer <laughs> me. It's my job to hammer you. He's still important to the company's future. He's very important, He's important for co- customer acquisition. Business. I follow him on Twitter. He's hilarious. Yeah. You follow him. I follow People Magazine on Twitter. I find out a lot of times I learn about, like, people I've never heard of who are really important, and they had a kiss. They kiss. Or I continually say I have no idea Shots is, on the beach. I People Magazine is a great follow because what I do yeah. Yeah. is I learn about everybody who's completely unimportant. Okay. Uh, yeah, that's a great way to spend your time. Yeah.
1: Uh, so Microsoft back
2: above three hundred here, Jim. Yeah, um, it'll be keep going higher. The quarter was amazing. Now you got to get all these moron shorts to cover. Nadell is talking about, and I took like extensive notes about it because it was such a good call. And he starts out by talking about, David, you said we should talk about more about, it, but digital yeah, technology, so most malleable resource yes. at, at the world, it is really poised to overcome the constraints, right, of the current business environment. And particularly because we have a shortage of people. The enterprise metaverse, David, you would have just loved it. Mm-hmm. And I just think that what he basically did was lay out all of the different divisions, how well they're doing, and he ties in metaverse to almost every one of them. Curiously enough, the only division that I wasn't happy with was gaming. But what does he do? He buys the number one gaming company. This right. is one of the—he's one of the most opportunistic CEOs I've ever come across. I shot him an email when I said, "Not email, okay, uh, it, but it, I said, I, I'm yeah. sorry for what people are doing. I'm sorry that they're it's, idiotic enough to listen." Step. They potentially are, are well
0: positioned for the for the future if the metaverse becomes what some people believe it will, and particularly for enterprise. Again, where we talk about the idea of virtual work. Now, well, imagine if you're able to collaborate. <laughs> It's years away. Digital twins. I disagree with that. I completely disagree with that. Well, maybe. I don't know. It's not years away. These things seem to always be further away than you think. I mean, I remember sitting here five years ago talking about autonomous vehicles, and we were talking about what it's all going to mean for the truck drivers and everything
2: else. Well, it seems like we're no closer. Now I'm reading about the electrified F-150 in New Yorker, although I need the cliff notes. The thing went on forever. It's like an unbelievable world piece. uh, Well, New
0: Yorker articles do tend to be long, but they're very informative. You you Um, have
2: Amy Hood. You'd call her up. I'm just
0: the number itself, the 51.7. Billion dollar you, quarterly revenue number. I just. He's getting just, amazed the way just, he should. It's just amazing. Uh, a 20% top line growth for a company that's been around since when? When did Microsoft go public? In I six, brought it public in
2: 1986. Six. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's this is impressive. an extraordinary story, and I urge everyone to read it's not a long call. And it's a very well-orchestrated call because we through the whole call, except you know, when Amy Hood had to say, it was like, are you people listening? If you're listening, will re- you realize that he's weaving a tale of the metaverse and how it's going to play in everything from Activision Blizzard to the digital twin concept. And why I said, why I was in your face saying, is because she, did you read this line? She said, I would bring people's attention to the holistic nature in which he answers. This. I mean, I would bring people, she basically just put a clinic on and pretend, you know, she she was an analyst at Colfer, she's very good. Her level of rigor is so frightening that I would be afraid to ask a question on that call, lest she make make me feel small. Uh,
1: Microsoft is uh, adding the most points to the NDX, about 80 uh, this morning, uh, all from Microsoft alone. Uh, And as for uh, Nadella, I think talking about, as Jim said, weaving metaverse into all kinds of discussions about the quarter and about uh, the Activision bid, take a listen.
0: It was a record quarter driven by continued strength of the Microsoft Cloud, which surpassed $22 billion in revenue, up 32% year over year. We are living through a
3: generational shift
0: in our economy and society. Digital technology is the most malleable resource at the world's disposal to overcome constraints and reimagine everyday work and life. With our planned acquisition of Activision Blizzard announced last week, we're investing to make it easier for people to play great games wherever,
3: whenever, and however they want. And also shape what comes next for gaming as platforms like the Metaverse develop.
1: Of course, we were watching that Commerce Department report yesterday, Jim, about key supplies uh, down to five days. That from, was amazing. From and 40.
2: Secretary Ramondo said that. Now, remember, Texas Instruments said they had 119, so, but that was a a, a mosaic of different orders. and. I think that Nadella is taking a, a vision of we all hear, with the, the supply chain problems, all these are not ephemeral, OK, but we're going to address them and we're going to fix them. And the stern way in which he approaches it is basically for me to say, I feel more confident if I'm Jay pal and I listen to that call that I don't have to come in with guns blazing and shoot everything down. He has people like Nadella on his side and Nadella's got a lot of divisions, this is not idle, David. This is not some platoon. What? There's a podcast.
0: You have to say, "Yeah, I agree with you." you can't uh, just like smile. Oh, is that what I'm supposed to say? Yes, I agree with you. Yeah, th- thank oh, you. Let's right. move on. You're welcome. All right, let's move on. You want to move on to John Stanky and at and a bit? I am very curious about a stock that is overowned. Uh, it may be overowned. Obviously, a big uh, spin or or split is coming up. I'll explain more of that lately. But I did get a chance to speak to Mr. Stanky earlier this morning. CEO of AT&T, about its just reported quarter. You can see the stock has reversed. It is down ever so slightly. Some focus there on the Warner Media side of the business in terms of what seemed to be a guidance that's below, at least what some had been anticipating on the street, although I am hearing sort of different numbers in terms of using the right base case uh, impact from DTV and Xander. Um, but as for wireless, that business does remain fairly strong. Take a listen to Mr. Stanky.
6: If we just kind of went through the golden age of television, we're about ready to get into a golden age of connectivity, which is how do we take all that robust capability that we've become very accustomed to in our homes and in our office and take it everywhere we go? And then what does that able, enable for innovation? And when I think about where AT&T goes with that is, one, we start with the largest fiber footprint in the United States, the most dense and distributed fiber footprint in the United States. and I think. To be in this new age of connectivity and be able to deal with the demands that are occurring, that's kind of a basic fundamental infrastructure piece that needs to be there. Two, what happens at work and what happens at home is now blurring. And you know we've, the pandemic kind of brought this to a head. Everybody is doing everything they do within their life, no matter where they are. And I think a company like ours that has incredible strength at the top end of the business market and also incredible strength at the consumer market and everything in between, distribution channels, how our infrastructure lines up, our ability to do product development, the positioning of our brand for reliability and how we can bridge those things. I think that's where we play moving forward.
0: Yeah, uh, well, does that mean that differentiation then will move away from what I would argue at this point, for those of us who watch football, for example, is largely about price or, or how much I can get from my trade-in?
6: Well, look, I I think customers are always going to be value centric. And I think that's just part of when you're in a competitive market, they think about those things. And and I believe the wireless industry functions that way today. As you know, there's a pretty broad ARPU difference between the different players in that market. So there's clearly a segment of the market like many of the customers that choose AT&T, that are looking for that very consistent execution and the kind of scale and the kind of reliability that we can bring in. And when we do things like build our network to accommodate first responders and the extra reliability they need around those things, those are the things that our reputation and brand stand for. And so I think value will always be an element, but value doesn't necessarily mean low price.
0: Yeah. You know, I mentioned earlier, of course, T-Mobile and Verizon being your main competitors, which they are. But do you see uh, Comcast, the parent company of this network, and Charter with its spectrum offering as real competitors in the wireless industry?
6: Well, look, as I just said, I think what a customer wants is a customer wants to go to a provider and say, handle what I need to be connected. And they don't want to really think about it and say, handle what I need to be connected at the house or handle what I need to be connected on the go. And I believe where the market is going to go is they want to go to one provider. And as you alluded to earlier, value is going to be really important. I think what we've seen in capital intensive and infrastructure intensive businesses over time is it's very difficult to be competitive if you don't own and operate infrastructure and have owner's economics on things over time. And so my belief is, while there'll be a segment of their customer base where they'll be able to put an attractive bundle together from a resale perspective. As you see more capable fixed solutions and more dense fiber being deployed, and as you see wireless networks evolve in the way they are, I think it's gonna be very important to own both sides of the infrastructure to actually meet the customer's expectations and have the kind of economics that are necessary to be successful in this industry moving forward.
0: Yeah, uh, which gets to, of course, broadband, which you, you mentioned uh, you continue to add in your fiber footprint. You're building that out as well. What are we talking? 30 million locations by year end 2025. What is the ambition there then, John? And from a competitive standpoint, again, coming after the incumbents that I just mentioned, of course, in that business, namely Charter and Comcast, the two largest. What is what is the hope for AT&T?
6: Well look our product does incredibly well in the market today in the 16 million plus households that we offer it to you know we see differentials in customer satisfaction between us and our competitive base that are over 10 points we're moving share and what we have is really kind of I think a once in a lifetime opportunity with the government from a policy perspective now making a decision that there's going to be overt policy that every American should be connected to the Internet. And in places where the market doesn't necessarily support investment of infrastructure, government coming in in a public-private partnership and subsidizing some of that investment, I think at and can be a key player in bringing every American on the Internet and partnering with governments around the country to use our expertise at scale to build those networks in a responsible way. And actually in the next five years, see us accomplish what I think would be a really important social policy perspective, which is to get every American household on the internet and competent and capable to use it.
0: Of course, 50 billion remember being allocated for internet access under that infrastructure uh, bill. The infrastructure uh, spending that's going to take place. So there, you kind of get a broad sense of his ambitions as this company obviously uh, transforms into pure wireless and broadband, which he believes are obviously right. a, a product that work well together and that will be more competitive with the Comcast and Charters of the world in their world. And obviously, you heard him say he thinks they're less competitive on the wireless side in some way because of their inability to own their actually have owner economics.
2: Right, but you've been. Uh, uh, very forthcoming about how you can package uh, competition, very low-cost yeah. cable. When well, you had Hans Vesper
0: on last night, I mean, Spectrum, for example, which you see endless commercials for, is
2: basically giving you Verizon's network at, you know, half off. I know that's an issue. And then if you go to T-Mobile, you, they give you a phone. I mean, yeah. it's very uh, well. T-Mobile also has its own network, which is very good. So right. Yeah. Well, that changed that great spectrum position, which uh, by
0: the way was a result in part of not him, but his predecessors' deal to try to acquire T-Mobile all those years ago and give up all that. Why spectrum? do you think
2: T-Mobile is because it, it doesn't have a dividend that's just been crushed here? It's a good company. I don't know. I would. I go to you on those kinds of. Things. Well, I just think that yeah. people want they want steady dividend. Verizon's is going to continue to raise the raise the dividend. Carl, I got to tell you, a lot of our viewers are not looking for to own Snowflake. They're not looking to own software. You know, software as a people serve. A look at the big div hikes this week alone. Wells, uh, twenty-five percent last night. Why didn't
1: people uh, talk about that? Amex, That's a big one. Halliburton are the big ones uh, so far. Week's not over.
2: Halliburton was such a great call. Uh, you know, I've got to tell you, you get these calls like it comes on a Monday, and no one pays any attention to. I had this guy Jeff Miller. He's the CEO. I had him on when I was in the Bakken, and he was not the CEO then. And I, he basically just said, look, you don't understand. We, we have a lot of oil in this country. And that was, it's 2011, 10 years ago. Uh, now he has got double-digit growth in literally every single one of their markets, and it's going to be as far as the eye can see. And it is such a strong company. Uh, I just commend him and what he's done. They make a lot of money before we even see more drilling. If we get drilling, it's considerable upside good a baker ah, here. There's a
1: ton going on in energy. You got uh, yes. Brent close to 90, a lot of June December calls of 100 as people are watching Ukraine, how are we going to get LNG over there if things get worse?
2: Yeah, you know, we uh, own Chevron and uh, we own Devon. Devon's what a horse. From a travel trust, we do that uh, morning call at 1020 with Jeff Marks. And we were just kind of stunned how much oil is up. And the oil stocks are up this year versus the rest of the market to about 17%. Chevron reports this week, so let's not get too crazy. Conoco is v- doing very well. David is always uh, quick to point out that Exxon's done well. Um, Exxon's and done incredibly well. It's not and really... It's- cash flows are... Very, you know,
0: very significant. None of this has to do with the changing of the guard on its board no. or its move in ESG. It's
2: all because of the price of oil. Well, Devin has a $30 break even, and they have a variable dividend. It's the highest yielding stock in the S&P. You gotta like them.
1: Unbelievable. Uh, reminder, you can always get in on the CNBC Investing Club with Jim. Sign up and find out more at cnbc.com
2: slash join the club. Uh, new um, uh, yeah. new webpage. And we have that ten twenty call that a lot of people are buzzing about. I'm going to have some Theatrics today. <laughs> you in theatrics? <laughs> no. Well, I was a thespian in Troop 1156, but I got cut. You know, I didn't do well. I did, uh, I went out for how to succeed in business. Mm. I didn't make it. You did? That well, was maybe it. You're not
0: a song and dance the last time yeah. I didn't succeed,
2: David.
1: uh Meantime, take a look at bonds today as well with the Fed decision just a few hours away and the presser shortly after that. Tenure 178. Microsoft adding almost Uh. a third of the Dow's gains right here. We'll be right back. Those results from Microsoft and Texas Instruments uh, leading the cloud and semi-names to help out the NDX this morning. There's a look at the NASDAQ 100, up better than 2% at the open. Remember, you can catch us anytime, anywhere. Listen to and follow the Squawk on the Street opening bell podcast. Dow's up 440 now. Be right back.
2: Let's get to gym and stop trading. All right, I'm going to give you today's trade that's going to work. It's a travel trust name, but Abbott is just notoriously conservative. Uh, the $4.70 number that's freaking everybody out is way too conservative. That is not what they're going to do. A lot of the business is doing well. It feels like J&J to me yesterday when I was at 163. There might be some analysts who squawked that the number isn't what they wanted. But if you look at Abbott's guide ever since even Miles White was there, it's always light, and therefore you buy Abbott but right now. Jim, what's on tonight? I got Qualtrics. This is one of those companies that's very controversial. That wasn't controversial. It's more of a Kathy Wood name than a Jim Cramer name. But these two guys are are big money makers. Again, I want I want to know whether Kathy Wood understands the concept of the over. When you buy the stock of DraftKings, you better understand what I know about DraftKings. It's she owns a lot course. of other
0: stocks in DraftKings. You seem no, very
2: know no, I'm using focused that as on that. Uh, one of them reports tonight, Tesla. Oh, Tesla's, yeah. oh that's Does she great. need to know about uh, oh, powertrains? Oh, uh... Te- no, I mean, Tesla, she owns Tesla. It's great. She'll make a lot of money and she'll say, hey, told you so, no, 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 no. Well, I'm looking I mean, at the it company. was one of Have the great look- investments. I mean, no, she no, owned okay, it five okay. years ago. Uh, so David, David, I, I helped bring Microsoft public and it was one of the greatest investments ever, okay? How's that? What am I supposed to say? And I still like it. There. I'm a genius. You know what? I'm not of, a genius. Had a lot of down years too. Not I'm down not years, a genius. But 1999 years. Period. Those Balm, that 1999 theory bomb. That bomber period didn't go not, that well. He wasn't a fan of the U.S. of the Justice Department. Oh, no, search. They have a didn't go that well. They have a they have a lot. They kind of had unlimited capital there at the Justice <laughs> Department.
0: Remember Joel Klein? I, do. I do. Ran the schools here in New York
2: for quite a while. I like. He's man. under Bloomberg. All right. We'll what see. What a six. show. Yes. 10, 20. I'm going to do some theatrics. David says I do that every day. You do. That's why we love you.
1: You've been listening to the opening bell on CNBC's Squawk on the Street.
4: This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you.